Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali for our usual weekly free podcast, free Monday podcast. Um, today we will be reviewing the World Cup final. Uh, Argentina are champions of the world for a third time, their first since the Diego Maradona-inspired 1986 World Cup victory. And this time it is Lionel Messi who, um, well... Uh, has he now surpassed Maradona? That is the that is the big question. Uh, he was, of course, the hero for for Argentina. Two goals in the final in a an absolute epic final, uh, the greatest World Cup final of of all time. I don't think there's any doubt about that. A three all draw, um, which well, Argentina looked like they were cruising to victory at two 0 with just over ten minutes to go. Then Kylian Mbappe. Um, just decides to, to single-handedly try and rescue France and, it, and he almost managed to single-handedly win France the game. He took it to extra time. Messi scored again in extra time, his second of the game. Mbappe scored again, his third of the game, the first player to score a hat-trick in a, in a World Cup final since Jeff Hurst in 1966. Uh, it was an incredible battle between the two, the two best players of the tournament. Uh, and the two best players of their teams and uh, eventually went to penalties and it was Argentina who who won on penalties and there is so so much to talk about uh, on this game uh, so we're going to we're going to react to the final we're going to analyze the final uh, then we're going to look a, a little bit about at the, the the world cup as a whole we're going to do a world cup team of the tournament and um, we're going to look at how well Italy could have done at this world cup if we had actually qualified i actually think we could have gone very very far um, we're going to look at a few of the managers um, who who might be moving on or who, in the case of Gareth Southgate, stay in for England. Italy play England next. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Carlo Ancelotti possibly taking over at Brazil. Um, and then, of course, some, some very, very sad news, the, the, the death of Sinisa Mihailovic. We're going to remember um, his legendary career, um, incredible player, then a successful coach, uh, very, very influential on Italian football as both a player and as a coach. Um, so we're going we're gonna to remember him. Uh, and then we've got a, a Badger and Prem face of the week, as usual, which we will finish off with. So lots to talk about. Let's get straight into it. Okay, so Argentina, world champions. As I said, they won 4-2 on penalties after a, an epic 3-3 draw. Uh, Nimmer. What's your what's your reaction to this game? Because this is uh, this was a almost mythical match. Well, I mean, if we start with the game itself and the quality, and like you said, a myth, the myth, the myth, the mythology surrounding it, and and that's already started. It will be to me. This is the one of the best, if not the best, World Cup final that I've seen. It was. It had everything. It really had everything. It was absolutely outstanding from start to finish. Um, individual brilliance drama uh it had everything it had everything it really did have everything it was and 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 of course mbappe and messi going at it uh, was the added value the the, the chileguina sulla torta the the icing on the cake um it was it was fantastic it really was um so uh, that, that's you know that that's that's more like the the, the game itself and 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 and, and 
the drama around it and what a what an advert uh, you know what a great advertisement for the for the sport to have its biggest final be this incredible but if we're going to talk about you know the the game in terms of from like a tactical point of view and and what was done and and how and what not <clears throat> excuse me um i lionel scaloni is the worst coach to have ever won the world cup there is no doubt about it in my mind this is he is lucky twice now in this world cup that he his that despite his horrible read of the game his insanely poor uh tactical decisions don't cost argentina uh the the win and and this world cup title they they could have already gone out against the netherlands again the same thing over and over again three games in a row um or two games especially he makes his read of the game is so poor he makes changes that are so bad and not just players he brings on it's much more it's much more deeper than that but it's 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 his tactical changes formation changes that completely gift the the game over to the opposition against the netherlands he did the, he did it and he did it again against france in a game where argentina dominated for 75 minutes there was no, there was no doubt deschamps looked had no answer france looked shell shocked and deschamps tried you know he made two quick substitutions he he tried shuffling things around but they just couldn't get near argentina until scaloni decides to go to a 3-5 3-5-1-1 completely giving france the numerical advantage on the wings from which they capitalized and it was just it was so amateurish um and it didn't cost argentina in the end uh, which I, who i think deserved to win that game but that's more down to you know penalty shootouts are, are more more luck i would say than than they are skill even though there is obviously skill involved but yes that that, that to me is is genuinely astonishing uh how how poor of a tactical how poor he is tactically um uh, as a coach right, he's a world cup winner <laughs> you're in the history well, he books is. forever of course he is well he is he is i mean trapattoni isn't and trapattoni uh, was a much better coach arigosaki for sure there's loads you know louis van gaal uh, lo- lots of managers who are much better than him had didn't win it of course but let's not but there's you know let's not pretend that scaloni is a world class manager he's mediocre at best and i think he's shown that this tournament honestly yeah i mean look, luck always plays luck always plays a, a part i thought in this game like you said i thought argentina dominated until the last 10 15 minutes and then mbappe just got hot um france though i mean i i thought I considered France favorites going into this this sort into this final as the bookmakers did as well but you know clearly something wasn't right with France um we know that they've their, their squad has been ridden with that with a virus that's been going around in in Qatar and has been um affecting a lot of squads but also just a lot of fans and a lot of the media that you know I I know people that work in as journalists there and you know it has been there's been a lot of this virus the air condition doesn't help everyone knows the air condition is very very bad for your immune system so you know france 
France were, were you could see uh, a lot of their players. They just, they were just, they just, they were lethargic. They were flat. They didn't seem to have any energy. And I thought that, you know, they did absolutely amazing to, to fight back uh, from, from the dead. They were completely dead. Obviously, Mbappe was the big reason for that. But, you know, Deschamps, I have to give him credit because, you know, he has been, uh, a lot of people, including myself, have asked questions. Is he really a good manager or is it just the fact that France, for the last four years or more, have, by a long distance, I would say, had and, and have the best array of talent available I mean it's incredible there's no country he gets even close to them in terms of the quality and depth of talent remember this is a France team that was missing half their first team as well uh, before the tournament even started you know that's how much depth that they've got they've still got to the final and you know and for them to make a comeback and he made brave changes early took it taking off Giroud and Dembele uh, you know going 4-2-4 and really Taking it to to, um, to 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 Argentina and then you know finishing the stronger and if Colin Moani had scored that goal, you know they would have they would have won the game and they would have won the, the World Cup. Um, you know, so you know I have to give credit to, to France as well. Um, I mean Mbappe is is an absolute alien, just an alien. Uh, it's unbelievable what what he has done. We've got a segment on him which we'll come to. Messi, we've got a segment on him. You have to be happy for Messi. You really do for. For you know, it's the one thing that he wanted so much. It's the one thing that you know his whole career. He's always fallen short. This is his fifth World Cup, and he's always disappointed um, at the World Cup until this tournament. Um, but you know, as you alluded to, you know Argentina got lucky, and you know they didn't. Let's be honest, they didn't beat anyone good in this whole tournament. Argentina. If we if we, if we want to be a little bit negative and a little bit harsh on Argentina, they didn't beat anyone good. They had a very easy run to the final, and the only decent teams they played they didn't beat them they beat them on penalties they beat Holland on penalties they beat Argentina on penalties and they lost to Saudi Arabia you know they drew with Holland and France so you know they they've been they've been fortunate they've been fortunate they've they've set a a, a record an all-time record in the 92 years of the World Cup no team um, has ever had as many penalties as Argentina have had in this World Cup and a lot of them were questionable penalty calls I thought the penalty they got again to, to take the lead, just they were scandalous. And um, this is something that I've been, you know, been arguing about for a long time. You cannot give a penalty for that in a World Cup final. You know, you just can't. You cannot give that. I mean, that for me, that's not even, it's not even close to being a penalty. Um, and, you know, they also got like, even the second, even Messi's second goal should have been disallowed. I don't know if you've seen it in the media today. Argentina had 12 players on the pitch um, when, when uh, Messi scored his second goal. That should have been, by the rules, should have been disallowed. As well, if VAR was, was doing its job properly. Um, so you know they got lucky. They got a bit lucky as well. But you know you need you do need you do at the same time do need luck to win tournaments. I mean Italy won two shootouts last year, two penalty shootouts when they won the Euros against um, Spain in the semis and against England in the final. Uh, and also the final thing I would say is that's also why you need a great goalkeeper. I mean you you say that. Penalties is a is a is a is is luck. And there is luck involved in penalties, but I also think the most important thing in a penalty shootout, more more important than your actual penalty takers, is having a great goalkeeper on penalties. That is the most important thing, and that isn't down to skill. That's down to having. There are some goalkeepers who are just fantastic at saving penalties. And Emmy Martinez, you see his record. He is an absolute monster on penalty kicks. He's fantastic on penalty kicks. Where Hugo Lloris, if anybody's ever followed Hugo Lloris's penalties. 
Lloris is so bad at penalties. He is horrendous. He's probably the worst goalkeeper in the tournament at penalties. He is so bad. Literally, all you need to do looks at Harry Kane is get the ball on target and you score and you score against Hugo Lloris. That is how bad he is at penalties. And I just think that if France had, had Mike Magnon, maybe the story could have been different with the, in the penalty shootout. So I have to give credit to Emmy Martinez as well because he he made the difference in the shootout. I I think Emmy with the Emmy Martinez thing, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think Emmy Martinez is is shown he's one of the when it comes to penalty shootout. I mean, there's he's I mean, ever since Copa America, you saw what he did there and and how he won that final four Argentina. And you've seen it this tournament tournament as well. He is a monster. Um, the way that he he goes on, uh, just the way he prepares. I think that is that's not by chance. Um, that kind of thing. I think that is skill involved, and he is very good at that. His react, his reaction, his reading of body language, and and all that stuff. I mean, he was even even on Mbappe's uh, penalty in the shootout. He was on the ball, uh, even though he wasn't anywhere near on the other two penalties France got. Um, so so there is absolute skill involved, but I do think it's more more luck than skill when it comes to penalty shootout. As for Argentina, I don't, I, I, I them being favoured by the referees. I, I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't agree with that. I, I really don't agree with that. I think if anything, the first game against Saudi Arabia as well showed that they, they were some of the goals were actually onside, and we've seen images of that as well. I think, I think, I don't think they were. There was a concerted effort to to get Argentina to win. Uh, I don't think there's any evidence of that at all. Um, uh, as for the penalty, I too think I do think when I first saw it, it was absolutely my my belief that that's a very very soft penalty. Um, but when there was another angle, when you see that Dembele actually he touches Dem, uh, Di Maria's foot so that it flies on his own on his own foot and he trips over after that, I think he falls very easily. Uh, I don't think it's a scandal, but I do think it's a soft penalty. But then again, France got two penalties as well. This is exactly like the England discussion. You can't say that France were <clears throat> were um, you know were, were 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 robbed by the referees when they got two penalties in a final. Uh, yeah, but it's a different year. dynamic when it's nil nil, isn't it? The first goal in a game is is always the most decisive. Always, it's always the no. Best. I don't especially think when it's a soft. Well, it is. No, it is no, when I, it's nil nil. I don't think it depends on when it is. This was this was not in the ninetieth minute. Yes, if they got that penalty in the ninetieth minute, then of course it's, it's it's the dynamic matters. But for, but but they didn't. It was pretty early in the first half, or it was mid mid first half. Well, way I look at it, there were five penalties. Argentina got five penalties in this World Cup. Um, which well, was a, which I don't care. Which is mean, not... an all time. Listen, let me finish. Which is an all time <laughs> record. Which is an all time record for me. You may disagree. For me, and and then lots of people that I've spoken to agree with me. Three of those five penalties were not penalties. Um, I think know, one so or two. Whether nice. you want to call that luck, or whether you want to call that, you know being favoured, whether you want to call it subconsciously, you know, Messi, his last World Cup, people want to want to give it to him, whatever you want to call it, you know, that's up to the, the, the listener, that's up to the fans to decide, you know, Argentina got luck in this World Cup. Yeah, and I said, there's I said no doubt before. about that. It was, it was, it was, there was no doubt about that, the, that, that, the, that things went their way in, in decisive moments. Uh, I don't think anyone would deny that, and I just spoke about why I think Lionel Scaloni is by far the luckiest and worst coach to have ever won the World Cup. So there's there's definitely that's definitely part of it. But I'm not I'm not going to go. This isn't the 2002 World Cup, uh, which was a joke 
I mean, even more than Italy, Spain were actually robbed against South Korea in the 2002 World Cup, having a perfectly good goal disallowed. So, you know, there were so many, so much dodgy, well, exactly, there were so many dodgy things going on in that World Cup. This is not that. I don't think the three of the five penalties were outrageous. I think one was incorrect. I think the Poland one is just, I still don't understand that. The other ones, I think are de- one is debatable, but the rest are not. And 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 I think it's some soft penalties, but it's but it goes in line. I'll go. I'll go. The, I'll go back. Yeah, I'll go back to what I've said. And you know, people, you know, and I and everybody knows I'm a traditionalist, so I don't say this lightly when I say this. Penal- they need to look at penalties and changing, changing, finding something else other than penalties. I know that will sound absolutely mad to people <laughs> that have grown up. I know people that will sound mad to people that have grown up with 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 there always being a penalty for a foul in the, in the area. I totally understand that because that it goes against the foundations of football and what you've always expected. And people get very upset and feel very threatened by, by that, you know, but I've say it and I say it again. Yeah. A penalty is too much of a reward for a foul in the area It's too much. The, 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 the probability of scoring a penalty depending on where you go is between 0.78 and 0.8 XG. So you're going to score 78 to 80% of the time that you get a penalty. That is too much of a reward for a foul in the area where most of the time, the the overwhelming majority of of occasions when there's a foul in the penalty area, the XG, the the probability of actually scoring from from that moment where the foul is made is so low. It's minuscule, you know, and if you take, if you take like where the foul was made, say in the, in the, the semi-final for the, Argentina game against uh, Argentina against Croatia you know there was like a naught point it was worked out that there was like a naught point naught five chance of, of of Alvarez scoring from that opportunity and then they, and then you you know and then it becomes you know I think we both agreed it was a 50-50 whether that could have been given yeah. that penalty so for a 50-50 foul Argentina well, I, I thought nil, it was nil, more of a penalty than nil, nil. 60-40 but it doesn't matter but I, okay I do it doesn't matter even, like, if it, even if it's 60-40 yeah. even if it's 60-40 yeah. whatever yeah even yeah. if it's 60-40 you're getting rewarded from a 0.05 XG Look, to I a, actually to think a, this is a good to, idea to a, listen, to, yeah to, you're getting rewarded from a 0.05 XG to a 0.8 XG the reward even if it is a even if it's a 60-40 even if it's a 70-30 you know this is why I always say and I bang on this drum all the time if a penalty is given in a World Cup, especially in a World Cup final, where it's such a huge game, you know, and this is not just me being against Argentina. I'd say this if it was the other way around. You know, I don't didn't really care who won the final. I mean, yes, maybe slightly wanted France because because I'm a Maradona diehard, but you know, I'm not really that fast who won it. You know, it's too much of a reward. You can't give a penalty unless it's absolutely no doubt about it. It's a penalty because the reward is too big. The penalty, getting a penalty, the reward is too much. There's too much of a reward. And this is why I think something needs to be looked at it. Because well, games the thing get decided think, and tournaments get decided by this. I think, I think one of the things that I do agree with is that maybe that, that there should be a penalty area within the penalty area from which fouls within that area gives you a penalty and fouls fouls outside of that area gives you a free kick because i think when i think that's something to look at because i agree with you i think when when if somebody's just on the line of the penalty area they're you know without an angle to score and they grab the ball by the hand or they foul clumsily the player that being equated to doing that when you're in front of the goal and you've got all the goal to place that in there's a discrepancy there. 
I, I do I do yeah. agree with that. I I, I absolutely yeah. agree with that. And I think that, I mean I don't have the answer, Nima. Nima, but, I don't but I'm, have the I'm answer. just suggesting. Yeah. No, I'm just giving. Yeah, I'm just no, I agree. Maybe I agree. maybe I I see the point. I think the problem you're describing is real. Um, I do think I do see the point of it, and I and I kind of agree. But I but and I think that's something that that football needs to look at. Um, because I agree with you. I mean, whether whether or not it's XG or however you want to measure it, I think just by looking at the naked eye, when yeah. you've got a player that is on the edge there, that compared to... I mean, I think it should matter where the foul takes place in the penalty area, whether or not it's a penalty. And I think maybe one way to do that is maybe to enlarge, you know, to make a... to create a third line in the penalty area, not just the, where the goalkeeper is, but, you know, slightly bigger and say, look, penalties in this area are a penalty. Penalties outside of this area are free... or fouls... Direct free kicks, area. yeah. Direct yeah. free kicks, yeah. That, that, yeah. that, I think, is something they could do. And you could even... It doesn't even need... You know, you can just have an, two extra lines by the side of the of the penalty area so that, you know, only when you're closer to the goal, you've got a better angle. That's when it's an actual goal-scoring opportunity and that's why it should be a free kick. Something like... I mean, there's ways around this. But I but I do think that that's a valid point. I really do. Because it, it it's... Especially nowadays, and as football has evolved, these penalties cost a lot. Um, pen- penalties do I mean because like you said you know it's, there's a bigger chance when you're alone with a goalkeeper 11 metres out in the middle with a ball centrally to score than it is when when you're on, on, on in the corner and, and, and you know like like we've seen in many situations like that I, I think yeah. that's, that's that's a really good point I like yeah. this idea much better than that insane idea you had of people running from <laughs> well from I wasn't ever line. I'm not I wasn't ever <laughs> saying that that's the solution I was saying I, I admit openly I don't have a solution I don't know maybe it's I mean you've just you triggered one. me so you... badly I literally <laughs> felt like I wanted to die when you said I was like yeah Why you didn't you listen people? yeah you didn't listen to, to my to my to my uh, <laughs> grievance because you just looked at the, the, the but you just thought because you're suggesting Yes, it did. I wanted to. I wanted to die because I remember watching that in the like. I think it was the mid late nineties, and I remember yeah. cringing and thinking, "This is so horrible." It's like watching six year olds mm. play, and it's ye. No, no, yeah. but I, do I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the solution is. You know, it could be what you said. It could be like you know, you have direct free kicks, or you have a, another penalty area within a penalty area. Yeah. It could be the MLS uh, option. It oh, could be. God, no, it, you no. Know, who knows? I will hunger I strike outside of FIFA's offices if that happens. That's not. Yeah. Don't ruin football. Please don't ruin mm. football. Don't turn it into a. Don't turn it into a into a sideshow. That, that that. Oh my God! I just. Oh. I just uh, that clip. I'm, I'm going to share it. <laughs> that is, that, that's what you want. That's what that's what Carlo wants. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I think it was, I think I do. I do. I do quite. I did quite like it actually. I thought it was, there's a lot more skill. In, well, there's a lot more skill involved on both the, oh, the, the yeah. attacker's part and the goalkeeper's part from that than there is in a penalty. But yeah, it's 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 just. Mm. I just don't like. I just don't like games, especially big games, especially big knockout games, getting ruined by. And decided by no. by you know these kind of incidents. You know, take the nineteen ninety World Cup final, for example, that was a nil-nil, mm-hmm. which was there was barely a shot in the entire game. And, and let me be first to say that nobody, like everybody wanted that Argentine salute. They were a horrible team. They were a horrible awful team. team. Awful team that just kicked and cheated and 
penalty shootout, penalty shootout in their way to use a word that doesn't exist, their way to the final. And they, but there was nothing in that final at all, not even a single shot. Except for Maradona single against shot. Brazil. Except for Maradona against no, no, no. Brazil. Yeah, except for Wait, Brazil. But I mean, in that final, there was nothing. Neither, neither uh, team was, had it's a, the worst, worst World yeah, Cup final ever to be played. Yeah, neither team even had a chance or a shot. Mm. Yet it gets decided by a penalty that was a dive and was never a penalty in a billion years. And it, and the and the game gets decided by because you know the, and he was going away from goal and there, do you know what I mean? So it's no, I, no, I just I, I just final. the yeah. worst the worst World Cup final that has ever been played is Italian ninety. I'm sorry, it is absolutely mm. atrocious. It was it mm. was genuinely unwatchable. Or and mm. both teams made it unwatchable. It wasn't just Argentina who were there mm. for foul fouling. I mean, Klinsmann's diving and Fuller's yeah. diving. I mean, well, because was, of that, they because of that they 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 changed the offside rule because of that because they wanted the game to become more more attacking, and that's a reason why they won't get rid of this penalty. They'll never ever revise this penalty a penalty because they don't they want more goals. They want more chaos. They don't want <sighs> they don't want to you know take it back to go backwards. So that that will never happen. But it's just one of my one of my pet hates. No, I, I do agree. I think I think what you raise is a very valid point. I think it's very valid. Like it should depend. The penalty area is really, really big, and where things happen, I think there should be. Uh, there should be. I, I'm not in favor of making the penalty area smaller, but I do think there should be nuances because I think there is a huge difference between being fouled when you're straight on goal with the entire goal open to you, and being mm-hmm. it in the corner when you've got no angle. I think there's a huge difference there. And, yeah. and but it also depends. Also depends on what kind of what kind of infringement it is as well. You know, not just where it is in the area, like you like you've explained, but also you know what what kind of uh, you know uh, you know if there's 15 players in the box and you, and your corner comes in and and it just hits a you know player like you know it hits a player on the hand or something you know and it gets, you give a penalty for it, but you're never going to score from it at all. If you are going to score from it, then yeah, um, you know so. Yeah, this this is is I, I I think it it needs to be looked at. I know it won't be, but but there we go. Um, one thing though that that also is creating a lot of debate is um, Messi. Um, now he has basically completed football. He's won every major to- trophy club and country um, that, that that there is to win. And for a long time, obviously, we've had this Maradona versus Messi debate. We we debated it on the show last week or the week before. Um, and you know the one thing that was holding Messi back, certainly in terms of trophies, was was the fact that Maradona, uh, or sorry, Messi had never won the World Cup. Uh, in fact, until last year, he'd never even won a, a major international trophy, only the Olympics, which is with the under twenty three team. Uh, he won the Copa America, uh, and now he's won the World Cup. So you know the question is, and a lot of people are debating is, has has in your opinion has Messi now surpassed Maradona? Is he the goat? Well, we discussed this a little while ago. We spoke hypothetically if he should win, and I'm I'm just going to echo my answer then and there. Uh, when it comes to personal accolades, when it comes to itch, like what you've won in terms of career, Messi has completed football. He's done it. It's there's nothing left for him to do. He's done everything. Um, but if you look at the sheer individual performance in a World Cup. And back then in 86, that's where the best football in the world was played. It was at the World Cup. The best players were there. Uh, it's different now. That's It's in the Champions League and maybe some would argue even the Premier League. But that's not, you know, that, so, so it's, a diff- it's, it's different now than then. But then, back then, when the best players in the world met every four years, Diego Maradona performed at a level that has never been played at before or since when Argentina won that tournament. He's, he was... 
by far the best he, the he was he gave a he gave the best performance ever seen at the world's biggest stage uh in that tournament and and i like i said i mean if you go back and watch 86 all of argentina's games go look at what he does and go look at the amount of chances argentina miss after magical work from him and creativity and, and build up so for me Mar- maradona and also the time of football the, the 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 age that it was played attacking players were not protected like they are now defenders were ruthless i mean it was some of them are borderline assaults some of the things that the, the defenders try to do to stop maradona and and, and technical players <clears throat> but and now it's not like that um but having said that i think argentina have a better team overall today than they had in 86 i think maradona literally was the difference and the reason they won that world cup um i think argentina are a better side overall better squad today than 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 in 86 um and there was no luck involved either was there so for me maradona will always be the goat but i mean again this is all subjective because you can argue with just as much the other way i respect that i completely respect people who say lionel messi is the greatest because i think there's lots of valid points there as well yeah, if, we, if we're talking about simply international, national team, then for me, there, there's no doubt it's, it's Maradona. Uh, there's no doubt about that for me. What he did in 86, as you said it, with, a, with, with one of the worst Argentina teams there's ever been. And I'm sorry, I'm, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to repeat mm. that over and over again. That was a really poor Argentina team. Just it look was. through the squad, go through the squad, have a look at, you know, none of those, very few of those players ever, ever had had top club careers. Um, none of them played for, virtually none of them played for for, for top European clubs. Um, Valdano was good at, at Real Madrid, but he was nothing amazing. Uh, Buruchaga was a good player, but, you know, didn't have an amazing club career, played in France. Uh, Ruggeri was, was a good defender. I think he spent one or two years at Madrid without success. You know, there's, there's, there wasn't really very, very little, um, to, to be honest with you. And, you know, Maradona did that Completely single-handedly. Um, having said that, Messi was amazing in this tournament. I'm not to take anything away. At 35, his longevity is definitely better than Maradona's. Uh, and you know, but he also, I thought he was very, very poor in these other four World Cups. Whereas Maradona was was he was Maradona was excellent in '82 until they got knocked out in the, until well, he was excellent in the group stages until they got knocked out in the in the in the last six, in the second group stage. In 1990, he wasn't outstanding, but he was their leader and he, and he had that moment of genius against Brazil and he took them to the final. Um, and then he started really well in 94 until he got kicked out. Um, you know, so I think that what Maradona did uh, for Argentina um, absolutely is, is, uh, it surpasses what, what, what Messi did. If you then bring in the club angle, then, well, yeah, you know, what Messi did for, 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 Argentina, for, for Barcelona, probably no player's ever done more for one club. And then, then Messi did for, for Barcelona, uh, absolute genius. But then you know, Maradona, he you know he did it for a, again for a, for a, for a smaller team, for a small team, and we could even almost call them Napoli. Really, they were they were just they were avoided relegation when when Maradona yeah. went there, and he, then he took them to you know they still bought some other other outstanding players, but you know they were no way would have been able to challenge for a Scudetto or for for the UEFA Cup, which was in many ways better than the Champions League back then because it had all the 
you know, Champions League was only for the European Cup was only for the the winners of the of the league championships around Europe, whereas the UEFA Cup had the second, third, fourth, fifth uh, place in many leagues. Um, so it was almost like the Champions League was the UEFA Cup um, back then. Um, you know, and as you said, yeah, Argentina much better team today than they were back then. Uh, and also, you know, that Argentina team, if you take the hand of God goal aside, uh, take that out of the equation, and we saw what Maradona did with the second goal afterwards. If you take that aside, you know, Argentina, they weren't lucky at all during that tournament, you know, whereas, as we've, we've already discussed on this show earlier, you know, uh, Argentina had a lot, hell of a lot of luck in um, this tournament with penalties, with with uh, penalty shootouts, with, you know, Argentina didn't didn't need any penalty shootouts to win. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if they had a penalty in the in the in in '86. I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember. Maybe in, unless they had one in the groups. Um, I don't think they even got a penalty. So, so yeah, um, yeah. No, I think, no, no, look, no, I don't I, remember I, either. I'm biased. I Listen, I, I I have to be honest. I'm biased. I'm a Maradona guy. You know, Maradona is my hero. Um, I'm always going to say Maradona. So there is bias involved there. Of course, uh, you know, of fam- course, there is. My family's from Na- my family's from Naples as well. So you know, I'm I'm always going to say Maradona. I am biased, but you know, I think that. You know, every, also everybody that knows me knows that I think that, and I think this is a very important point, um, as you also said, that football, uh, certainly international football, was mu- way, way stronger back in the 80s uh, and the 90s. And up until the, the first half of the last decade, of the, not the last decade, we're now in 2022, of the, of the noughties, up until about 2006, I think after that, international football really started to decline big time. Um, you know, so... When Maradona was 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 winning the World Cup in '86, he was, you know, this was international football when it was really at its best. Uh, and now I think international football has declined a hell of a lot. Like I, I, if I compare any of the top international teams now to what they were even 20 years ago, I think it's very hard to find one big nation that's that's better now than it was 20 years ago. I don't know if you could even find one. To, to be honest well, with you, I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I don't think. Um, well, England are, I think, are better today than they were then, and I know that a lot of the Beckham, Lampard, Gerrard gener- generation won't like that, but I do think that England are better today. I, I really think this, the the mm. sheer. I'm, I'm both, not sure. Yeah, both I'm in depth sure. and both in terms of depth and and uh, the the height of how good they are attacking wise i think this team is I, I really like this team i really do i i i think they have a better goalkeeper but that's not very difficult if we're honest um i think they're maybe defenders i'd agree okay rio ferdinand and john terry were world class none of these defenders well, are world class well, so is ashley cole ashley cole was one of the best yeah. in the world uh, left i mean I yeah, think those was. three yeah. those three all yeah. get in the england team uh, yeah, i would they, pick they david, do. i would they i would pick even an old david seaman i would pick an old david seaman over jordan pickford as well no um, I, th- I, I think ramsdale and pickford are I, I rate them i really do um but mm. i think the sheer attack in the sheer firepower and attack with all due respect to alan shearer i well, i shearer had I, already I, retired by then but yeah no, yeah i but mean you know what i mean no, yeah. but you know what i mean like yeah. harry kane is just when he's at his best i mean i i think is, that england team was better than this one personally but that's but that's but i think that england look better now because also also partly because uh the the competition is weaker as well you know i think mm. you put this england team uh, if you put this england team in the 2000 and Euro 2000 or 98 World Cup or 2002 World Cup or even 2006 World Cup, this England team would, wouldn't be any of the big nations. None of them. Whereas now, they you'd favour 
Really? I think they would. If, would they if beat they Brazil? Had, if, would they beat if, Argentina? If they, had, Italy? if they had, if they had, if they had Ashley Cole and Derry and um, Ferdinand in defence, yes. Um, yeah, but I'm talking about this team. If you yeah, took no, this yeah, England, you took this England team from 2022 and put it in the 2006 World Cup. Mm. Would they beat Italy? Would they beat? Would they beat Argentina? Well, would they I think beat they, Brazil? I think, would they beat I, I France? The, they would I lose to all better. of it. Yes, but so did that England team in 2006. I mean, I I, yeah. I think they're a better side than that 2016. Yes, I do think that. Now, how how well would they compare to those other nations? That's 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 a different topic altogether but um for me um i think i think england have improved um and, and i but is this argent but forgetting about england the point remains that this argentina team is it better than the argentina 2016 no no chance no. absolutely zero that chance would be difficult yeah that's difficult to yeah. say you know, so that kind of that kind of says you know that that kind of says it all. No, but I mean, really. I mean, depends on which countries you mean as top side. Some would argue England is not a top side. Some would say they are. I mean, I think Argentina, mm. France, Italy, Brazil, Germany these these are the top sides. And then you have you know England, Holland, Spain. Yeah. Spain. yeah, exactly. I mean, and I'm not taking anything away from. Them. I mean, it depends on your definition of a top side. Um, mm. But but I mean, for for me, it's for those who've won World Cups more than one World Cup is is for me a top traditionally a top side top country mm. um okay let's move on because we're going on and on can mbappe then mbappe was was well for me he was man of the match i mean he was unbelievable because he single-handedly single-handedly uh kept france in this game when it looked like it was they looked like they were completely dead and he scores a hat trick i mean eight goals I, top I, goal scorer yeah top goal scorer with eight goals i mean for me he can become the World Cup goat. We're talking about is Messi the goat, but for Mbappe, I think all he needs is one more decent, not even outstanding tournament. Mbappe, and he and he's he going to have at least three. Think about it. He's twenty three now. He'll turn twenty four soon. He can play till he's thirty six. That's three more World Cup tournaments. Hmm. Well, I think definitely two. I think definitely two World Cups. But yeah. I, th- I honestly think that even if he just plays decent in his next tournament, that will be enough to make him the the, the greatest World Cup player of Absolutely. all time because. He's got 12 goals already in 14 games, which is exactly the same total as Pele. He's now yeah. only four goals behind Miroslav Kloser, who has the all-time World Cup record of 16 goals. As we said, 23 years old, he'll be 27 at the next World Cup. Um, so he'll be in the absolute prime of his career. He's the first player to score a hat-trick in a final since Jeff Hurst in 1966. Uh, and I just think what he did yesterday was was just in, just unbelievable. It was insane. I mean, France, France were awful, and he single handedly, like I said, dragged dragged a dead horse, really <laughs> dead horse <laughs> along the ground uh, into extra time and almost to the to the to the promised land. Um, and he scored in two World Cup finals. Only four others have done that. Those are Pele, Paul Breitner, uh, Bava, and Zinedine Zidane. Uh, and now he has four World Cup final goals because he also scored it four years ago, um, which is already the most. He's already scored more goals in a World Cup final than any player in history already. And he's 23. Uh, and he's the first to score eight goals in a, in a World Cup since since the great Ronaldo. He's also somebody that probably the most similar player to the R9. I was just going to say, I think. I, I think he, for me, he's um, he's like a mix of all of these, of R9, CR7 and Pelé. Like he's got, he's got a little bit of all of them. He's not the kind of Messi, Maradona, number ten at all. And those are usually the ones where people consider to be the greatest of all time. Rightfully so, I think, because they're they're yeah. so complete. 
But when we but but players like R nine and Pele, Cristiano Ronaldo, they're they're murderers in the in the penalty box. Their finishing is through the roof. Um, their killer instinct, the way that they go at the goal like a like a heat seeking missile. Um, I mean. And of course, there's technique involved in that as well. I'm not saying that these guys are tapping merchants. That's not what I'm saying at all. They're incredible. I mean, R9's individual technique is, well, it's right up there with the best of all time. But, um, but I, I, I really think that he could become the World Cup goat. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended his career with two, three World Cup title, World Cup wins, um, because simply because of what he showed in this tournament, um, how he can drag France through. Um, and and I think I honestly think that this France was, if we're looking as a, as a, as a whole, as a team, which team was the best in the World Cup? I think France was the best team in the World Cup. Um, and 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 Mbappé works is 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 the added value of that team. He takes them to that next step, and I agree with you that that second goal he does that he scores. I mean, <laughs> it's just. That's well, no, when he went on that run, he went on a run right at the end where he, yeah. he, he like twisted and turned in the, the yeah. tightest spaces imaginable. Yeah. Probably took on three players and somebody just got a block in. I mean, if that would have that would have been the end, that's oh. end all endings. That would have yeah. been. I mean, uh, that would have been. A, a, scores I mean, pocket pocket in a World Cup final after something like that is insane. Um, and and no, I, one thing though, as a side note, Marcus Turam and Kylian Mbappe. Now that is something to build on for France in the future. Because their Turam's link-up play, um, his his he's, he's he's got great technique. He's quick. I those two will have a lot of fun for the French national team moving forward. You know, now that Giroud is too old, well, he'll be too old. He's going to probably retire within the next two three years, at least at the highest level. Benzema isn't exactly getting any younger. Uh, and Benzema and if, won't be allowed back in either, and if yeah. Deschamps stays, only if Sadat yeah. comes, will yeah. Benzema come back in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and 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 he's not getting any younger either. So for me, Marcus Turam is France is, have so uh, much talent, though. I mean, remember they had Unkunku, who's an incredible talent. Exactly, that's Chelsea. another player. That's another you know, player. And and and, and he. But Turam for me, Turam, Turam and Mbappe. That is that's going to give French fans a lot of happiness moving forward. If if Turam has a just a normal career trajectory. Because Mbappe is in, is crazy. He's, what a what a monster he is! Yeah, um, he is. and he's, he's, he's just he's so it's so it's it's genuinely. Feel, I just feel you know everyone was you know I remember. I also liked how he blanked Macron at the end as well. That gave yeah. him, that gave him an extra extra <laughs> marks for me. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Look, but the thing I like, the th- I mean, if those of us who've lived and seen the the pinnacle and peak of CR seven versus Messi when they used to go at each other. Um, it was fantastic, but a part of me is a bit sad that we don't get to see Messi v Mbappe because that that just that World Cup final alone. Mm. Well, was, that was that was that was certainly that was certainly uh, enough yesterday. Uh, at least, I mean, can you just think when that if they could go at it the same like the way every weekend we knew Cristiano Ronaldo was going to do something amazing and Messi's going to retort, or Messi's mm. going to do something magical and Ronaldo's going to retort. That dynamic um, where they pushed each other, mm. I, well, I, I think it'll be. I think it'll be an Mbappe versus well, Haaland. I think it that, is. That'll be the but, next one. But it is. It is. But Erling Haaland is not Messi, 
Um, yeah. and, and, and that's what I mean. Like the, the dynamic we saw yesterday between those yeah. two, how they pushed each other. That's something if I could, you know, if I could adjust their ages to be a little bit more closer yeah. to each other so we could have yeah. witnessed those two going at it. Well, there's Phil uh, Foden, according to, according to Jason Cundy, there's Phil Foden. So <laughs> and Foden, I like, I like Phil Foden, but like, <laughs> stop. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, oh God. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, anyway, just to finish off the World Cup final, there was there's there was a there was more controversy. There's always controversy. Um, just just to finish the World Cup where we started, which was um, people, um, you know, let's say from the West, the the the, the, the MSM from the West, um, weren't mainstream too happy. media. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they people don't because because you sounded like you said S and M, and I was like, oh, right, no, no, okay. no, 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 mainstream media, MSM. Well, like if, it's three, if it's got three letters, it's generally bad. That's what, <laughs> that's what it usually is. Um, I just wanted so, to clarify. <laughs> that um, they weren't happy. They weren't happy about Messi getting this this um, this bished um, put on him by the Emir of Qatar. Um, to before he lifted the World Cup. So, can you just just for those listening, can you just explain number one what it is, and number two what all the controversy um, is about? As I'm sure, well, you, the, the, I'm sure you the, agree the, with. I'm sure you agree with them. Yeah, <laughs> of course, especially certain Spanish Irish buffoons who have the IQ <laughs> of a dead sewer rat, and it's, it was like debating Carl Pilkington's twin. Um, but anyway, uh, what? Um, what it is 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 a, is a is a robe that one wears in the Arab world, not just in Qatar, uh, uh, and in only uh, in mostly Arabic Middle Eastern countries, uh, at, at at momentous occasions like weddings and and you know you know highlights of one's life. Um, and the one that he was given was as a sign of respect and an acknowledgement of him being almost a, a, roy, a ro- football royalty, if you will. And, it, and it's also a cultural thing uh, in the Middle East and North Africa that usually when you have a foreign guest visit you and, and at the end of that visit, um, you gift them uh, something traditional from your culture so that to remember you by. Um, that's all that was. But of course, the usual hacks have to have to politicize everything and turn and take everything out of context um, and turn it into something it wasn't. You know, demeaning it, saying it was a dressing gown. Someone call it what women wear in a Victoria's Secret catalog. You know, this kind of demeaning, diminishing, dehumanizing. Um, tone which is borderline racist if we're perfectly honest um is is quite is is what they did and they don't care about what the what it means culturally and 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 some people claimed uh, that it's not about what it was it was the fact that who gave it to him well no that's completely irrelevant because at every other you know the the World Cup is held in Qatar, and the head of state of Qatar will be there at this occasion, regardless of if you agree with who that head of state is, and and why he is the head of state, and and how he's maintains his power as head of state is a completely different different topic altogether, and people conflate always 
especially when it comes to Middle East and North Africa and the Arabic world. They always do this in the mainstream media in the West. They equate and they conflate the cultural issues, the cultural expressions with the state. And those are not the same thing. The, the, peoples, uh, the people of those countries and the people of every country and the traditions and culture that they have and the history they have and, and the traditional expressions that they have in, is, is not the same as the state that, uh, or, the, or the government that governs them. It, it's just not true. You, you can't equate a, an entire people with who governs them because most of the time those people who govern them are not elected by those being governed. It's it's ridiculous. This 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 notion that you can't even for one second entertain the idea that not everything is a polit- is is political at all is 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 really exhausting. But again, this is you know there's a reason they do this. There's a reason they do that, and that's because whether or not it's Danish state TV as a joke equating Moroccan players celebrating with their mothers with apes holding families, holding their children, their their offspring, as we saw over the weekend, which went viral, or whatever it is, whatever it can be. People all people all over the world can relate to human emotion. When when they like an underdog story, they you know people saw Morocco, they saw they saw how they celebrated with their families. They 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 liked Morocco. They they fell in love with that, and and they because it resonates. It's a human emotion, right? And we humans, regardless of if we live in the United States, in Sweden, in Uganda, in Australia, wherever we live, we as humans can relate to human emotion, right? And what the World Cup did was make people, you know, they look at the Muslim world in a much more positive light. Now, that doesn't mean that Qatar as a state is is not a, an autocratic state. Of course it is. And that they have human rights, human rights violations all the time. Again, don't conflate and equate a state with a people and the culture. That's stupid. And, and that's what they do. And they don't understand that what they do is Orientalism. It's this, mm. it's 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 the suspicion making of every everything of of a group of people from a certain part of the world as this is your leader, this is who you are, which is stupid because that would mean that Justin Trudeau is the it represents all Canadians. That means Rishi Sunak and Boris Boris Johnson are represent are, are are the same as the British public, and, and so on and so forth. That is stupid. That is entirely stupid. That's not that's not the reality. And to and they keep doing this time and time and time again. And of course, there's Islamophobia involved, and and they weaponize you know LGBT rights and try to pit Muslims against gay people, which is ridiculous in and of itself. And 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 they, this nonsense, divisive, toxic rhetoric to divide people across every ethnic and gender and gender identity, sexual identity, to pit them against each other. That's what they do. That's what they all that's all they care about. They don't care about anything else because they don't report in an in an honest context in an honest honest contextualized manner. 
They don't, I mean, if you want to talk about, if you want to criticize, I mean, this entire debate about Qatar boils down to this for me. If you think Qatar is unfit to host a World Cup because they're so uniquely evil, then, then surely Germany signing a, 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 an agreement with Qatar during the World Cup to buy liquefied gas from them for billions of euros should also should probably not be allowed either as you're kind of arming and as you're kind of paying into that country and that state sorry not country that state that is so evil at half time between Iran and the United States the Biden administration announced a billion dollar arms deal that they're going to sell to the Qatari state surely if Qatar is that evil they shouldn't be able to host the World Cup we shouldn't be selling them weapons for the tune of $1 billion. That's the context in which they don't want to talk about. And they call it whataboutism. The irony, of course, being that their entire narrative begins from whataboutism. Mm. They want to talk about this and not about that. And when you point that out and ask them for at least an ounce, a scintilla of intellectual honesty, they clutch their pearls and pretend that, they, <laughs> that you're the one being, being the whataboutist. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's yeah. genuinely well, the, they are they are the biggest hypocrites of all. There's no there's no doubt about that, and that's been shown. I think um, at this World Cup, um, there's. I mean, I would love to, to carry on this uh, yeah, discussion, no. but but um, no. I, but I just want to finish this off though. I just want to finish this yeah. off though. That I know so many of our patrons and listeners who have who were negatively going into this World Cup were negatively uh, had a negative attitude of this World Cup, but. Many, many who have privately DM'd me and publicly said that they, that because of what happened at this World Cup, because of the everything surrounding it, the way that it was organised, the lack of, you know, fighting and drunk debauchery and 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 and, and Morocco's, you know, runs <laughs> and and all of that, they've actually they actually think this and and of course the final and all that that they 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 actually think this was the best World Cup ever, and that to me is beautiful. That's enough for me. You no know, arrests that, that, this, by, from England fans. First time in history yeah. that no England fans well, got arrested. That's a trophy to take home uh, for England. <laughs> Along with the fair play trophy. With the fair play trophy, yeah. No, but listen, it's, it's, um, it's, this, is, this is what the World Cup is. And, and, I was, and as, as I read that message from a friend of mine who I went to uni with and his son and, and how, they visited, how they viewed the World Cup. And this is what the World Cup is all about. And it has, despite their best efforts to demonize, delegitimize, and dehumanize the entire Middle East, they have failed because people find them weird. The overwhelming majority of people, if you look, find this rhetoric divisive, toxic, and pathetic, and think that mm. what you know, you're the ones with the problem. Stay at home next time and leave the rest of yeah. us to watch it. And and it's and it's and, and and that is incredibly encouraging to me, at least. Yeah. Okay. Right. We have to move on because we're way over. Very very quickly. World Cup team, of the tournament. I'm going to read Oof. out my mine, and you can tell me what you would change. So, uh, in goal, uh, I've gone for Livakovic from Croatia, although we could probably put Emi Martinez because for the two penalty shootouts. Hakimi, uh, Saiz from Morocco, Gvardiol from Croatia. Left-back, I literally could barely find a decent left-back in the whole tournament. So I've gone, <laughs> I've gone Theo Hernandez from, from France, even though I thought he was poor against England and even worse against, against uh, Argentina in the final. Uh, Amrabat, um, 
Griezmann for sure as two of my three centre midfielders. Mm. I did have Bellingham, but I do feel like Enzo Fernandez or McAllister yeah, probably deserves it. So I'm probably going to ch- chuck out Bellingham, although I thought he was outstanding as well. And then up front, Messi and Mbappe, absolutely no doubts. And then the other forward, I- I'm not sure. Maybe maybe uh, Julian Alvarez from Argentina as well. Maybe. I I, I have no problems with that midfield uh, with that lineup. I think Bono, Moroccan goalkeeper, was really impressive as well. Um, and Teo for the lack, I mean, you have to go with Teo because for the lack of left backs doing, you know, good, I thought Acuna was all right, but Teo was better than him overall in, in the tournament. As for the midfield, Amrabat for sure, Griezmann for sure, um, and Enzo for me. I've, I've fallen in love with Enzo Fernandez. Um, mm. I, I have really, really, really like him. And I, but I do got to give a shout out for Brozovic as well. I think Brozovic had a fantastic yes. tournament. Mm. Um, absolutely outstanding. Um, and of course, Messi, Mbappe up front. Uh, I think Julian Alvarez is a, is a fair shout. Um, you know, I, I would maybe, I really like Bukayo Saka as well. I thought he was outstanding when he played. Uh, maybe play with mm. a false nine. But, Giroud as well, obviously. Yeah, Giroud. We have to give it to Giroud as well. Absolutely. He's been out. Mm. He's been really, really good. But yeah, no, I, I think that's uh, that's a fair enough. That's that's a, that's yeah. a good team. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. So let's move on. Italy, obviously not in this World Cup. Now that we've seen the, the World Cup is over, we've seen how the how everyone done, how the big teams done. Um, how well do you think Italy could have done at this World Cup if we had just qualified? As an Azzurri fan, I'm annoyed as hell because I think Italy could have won this World Cup. I really do. I know it's people are gonna people are gonna say, "Oh, you're biased and whatnot," but no. No, no. I really think Italy could have won this World Cup. Um, I, I, I look at these teams, and I don't think Italy are significantly, if not stronger, then they're certainly not significantly weaker than any of them. They're on the same. Mm. They're on the same level as all of them, um, and and it annoys me. I don't think they, I'm not saying that they would have won the World Cup. I don't think Italy will ever be able to win two tournaments in a row because you know what I think. We know the Italian mentality. As soon as Italy win a tournament, they automatically think they're senators of the Roman Empire who've returned home from glory, and they start to do all this these charades in front of each other, and then they <laughs> fail immediately and fall flat on their face. I mean, that, that's just part of the Italian psyche. It's just what it, it is. What it is, and and we've we, we you know you, you Italy is like Sven said. You, you got to love it. You got to love it as it is. <laughs> You're not going to change it. It's it's never going to happen. It's it's Italy. Uh, and the Italian mentality is fantastic, and, and I love it. So I don't think Italy's ever going to win two tournaments in a row. But I do think that they were, they could have probably gotten to a semi-final and, and, and maybe a medal, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I really do think so. I mean, I, I, I watched this tournament, and there really was no... There was no outstanding team in this tournament. There's, there's no team that stood out, and I thought, and I, I thought, you know what? I really fear playing those. If Italy were in this tournament, I would really fear playing them. There was, there really wasn't. I mean, in terms of actual quality in the team, the, the talent, there's only one squad that I think is absolutely head and shoulders above the rest, and that is France. But you know, even France was significantly weakened in this tournament because they had so they many. So many injuries, so many, half their first team was missing um, before the tournament even started. And then obviously as the tournament went on, they lost, they lost Lucas Fernandez. Um, uh, I mean, just think in the final, they were playing Camavinga 
a midfielder was playing at left back, you know, when they took off Teo. I mean, if all France were, were Teo Hernandez injury away or suspension away in the tournament from just complete disaster, basically. Um, you know, so there was, you know, Argentina, I thought, you know, very, very beatable. We saw that, they, you know, they rode their luck at times. Um, and, you know, you know, I look at I look all around. I mean, I think Holland got to the quarterfinals, and I think they were, I think they're a very very poor team. Uh, Holland, uh, you know, Brazil, a mediocre I think, are, are, team who were brilliantly yeah. coached. Very yeah, mediocre exactly. team. Yeah, brilliantly I mean, Brazil. Coached. Yeah, Brazil, Brazil, brilliant um, team, poorly I, coached. <laughs> I mean, that's Brazil. Yeah, but me. even but even Brazil, <laughs> Brazil beatable because you know even if you break yeah. down Brazil, you know they their fullbacks are. Are, yeah. got, they're two fullbacks, Danilo and Alexandro, two players that Juventus <laughs> fans have been pulling their hair over for the last two years because they offer nothing going forward. They've got they've got a Tottenham reserve, a Tottenham reserve playing uh, at um, uh, as the striker. You know, I mean, you know, and then they lost Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, but, the but, him, but well. we have to. There's so, so there are weaknesses. But we have to be honest here as to calling Richarlison a Tottenham reserve. You have to put an asterisk, and that asterisk is Antonio Conte. And Antonio Conte wouldn't have mattered if Richarlison had scored eight goals, three goals in the World Cup final, had won it. He'd still be benched for Kulusevski because that's just Conte. Like it's just for sure, I love, for sure. I but, love but, the man, but, but, but like, <laughs> I know, but 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 rate him. But I mean, you know, judge him as an actual player. He's not no, fair he's enough. Not a top fair player. Enough. I mean, he's not a top player. I mean, even if you look at him at Everton. You know, look at look. I'm looking at his stats now. He scored ten goals last season for Everton. He scored seven goals the season before, and the most he's ever scored is thirteen in a season. You know, and in, in five years uh, in the Premier League, thirteen was the most he's ever scored. You know, five, thirteen, thirteen, seven, ten. I mean, this isn't this isn't a top player. You know, and that's their starting striker for Brazil. You know, so you know, I, I mean, again, I think Brazil beatable team. You know, there's there's lots of good teams in this tournament, but but no one. I don't think there's anyone that's really outstanding. Um, to be honest with you, I think England very, very solid team, but n- not sure about their coach, and they're very too conservative. And, you know, and I, again, I look at Italy's midfield, their centre midfield, and I think you know, with the exception of Spain, Italy are dominating the midfield against every team they play against. Croatia, okay, Croatia got that outstanding midfield, but Croatia have got absolutely nothing at all uh, in in attack. Completely impotent in attack, they just don't they just don't hurt teams going forward at all. So. You know, I think, yeah, I think Italy could have done well in it. That That is frustrating. It's really, really frustrating because I think we've got we've got the quality. And we could have done, we definitely could have done really well here. Agreed. Agree 100%. Nothing yeah. more to add. Okay, right. So we, right. I was going to discuss about Gareth Southgate staying on it as England coach. We can and just also briefly do that. We can just briefly do that. Brazil. Okay, very, very quickly. Because we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, Okay, so Southgate, Southgate staying as England coach. Um, Italy play them next in the first Euro 2020 qualifier. qualifier. Um, I mean, it, Southgate staying is a, is, a, is, a, is a good thing, really, uh, for, for Italy, isn't it? If not necessarily for this qualifier, because it qualifies, because I think Italy and England should both qualify for yeah, this. But, but looking ahead more to the Euros in, in well, 18 months' time, it's not, not very far. Um, you know, I think... Southgate, as brilliant a job as he's done for England and taken them from where he's gone, um, you know, he's not probably not the man to win them a trophy, is he? I the thing is, I think, like I said, and I think it was last week we discussed this, and I said, I think Southgate is, I think he's done a tremendous job for England from where what he, you know, where England were before he took over, how he integrated this this team. You know, he was a youth team, England 
coach as well, did did pretty well with them, and how he's kind of bridged that gap and and brought this new New England side. You know, it's it's his guys, it's his team that he's kind of formed and built. Um, so I think he's done a fantastic job. Uh, my my question, my, my doubts have always been: Is he good enough to lead England to a title? Ob- obviously, he's good enough to bring them to a semi-final. He's good enough to bring them to a final of major tournaments. But is he good enough to take them all the way? I'm not so sure. But having said that, Lionel Scaloni just won the World Cup and Copa America in two years with with Argentina. I think if you've got good enough players, the the, the level of the manager is important very much, but it, it matters less. Um, and and I think England have got good enough players to win twenty to win the Euros in 2024. I absolutely think they do. And I think it will be his last tournament. I don't think he stays beyond that. I think he will feel that it's time to move on. And I think, uh, I know you, you're all going to probably like slate me who are listening to this, but I actually have England as favourites to win Euro 2024 today. I really do. I think it would be the most epic mic drop moment ever for Southgate to, to win and leave. Um, and I think he would. I, I honestly think England will win Euro 2024. I honestly think that. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, the evidence the evidence we've seen up until now, as I've said, is that nothing has really changed with Southgate in, in the sense that whenever England have played against a big nation, one of the major nations, they've fallen... They've fallen short. So I think I read out a stat that uh, in the six years that Southgate's been in charge, the number of top ten teams they've played, I think, was seventeen. If I'm if I'm not if I haven't if I haven't got that wrong, and they've only won three um, of them, and only one of them is in a competitive game, and that was after extra time against Denmark with a dive from Raheem Sterling in the Euro 2020 semi final. So, you know, when it's when uh, England play against elite nations, you know, and they haven't played many in in the in these tournaments. They, they lose. You know, they lost to France in a game which I think France were there for the taking uh, and they lost, um, you know, and then in the, the Euros, they, they okay, they didn't lose to Italy, they drew, but they, they still couldn't beat them uh, and they lost on penalties. And then, you know, well, in the World Cup 2018, they didn't even play a big, na- a, 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 a top 10 nation, they, they, um, they, or, or a major nation, let's say, a superpower nation. They lost to Croatia in semifinals. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I think that until... Southgate shows that he has the ability and England showed they have the ability to to beat the major nations, then they are going to fall short because you can't expect to keep getting these easy runs that England have got in these last three tournaments. And, and even when you do, eventually you're going to have to somewhere, some point along the line, you're going to have to play a big nation. Uh, and that's surely going to happen in Euro 2024. Um, and when it does, you know, from what we've seen, the evidence we've seen so far, uh, England lose um so they do you know they do but they've got a very young squad that's what i need to change yeah yeah Yeah, but that's all that's all very true and all very valid but i do Mm. think that they have a they have a very young squad this these players haven't even anywhere near hit their peak um i think the main issue is the midfield is the central midfield declan rice with all due respect i don't think is good enough to win anyone anything in that role at least as the level he's playing at today. Maybe he goes to Chelsea and he has an incredible, you know, he takes that next step and becomes this like top class, well, if not world class midfielder. But as things stand today, I think you need the, the, the tournaments are won. In need the someone with more quality. Need yeah. someone with more quality. T- tournaments are won in midfield, and and I don't think that him in that role is maybe you know may why not maybe play Jack Grealish you know play him deeper 
because he's a technical yeah. player. But but yeah. you know and play someone no. something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like something like that. Or if someone comes along, but I do think Kelvin Phillips. Yeah, England, England, Rice. England. The one thing England are missing again is that they've never ever had in their history really is a, a midfield conductor. You know, a, a short passer, someone that yeah. can keep the game, yeah. that can, can dictate the game with his passing and and you know short passing and you know a regista. Uh, someone that can dominate and control the the, the the tempo of the game and and get those line breaking passes into the front players and even play you know some some nice chip through passes or spread the play and you know someone like that you know uh, Verratti, Pirlo, you know uh, Xavi, Iniesta, you know Pedri, you know these are the kind of players they're the ones that win you tournaments and and beat the big teams you know and Declan Rice is somebody that's just. He's just uh, he's too safe with his passing, you know. He just he's just a destroyer. Uh, you know, he's very very good at, at stopping the opposition and filling in the gaps and tactically very very good. Although I would say against France, Griezmann was in too much space a lot of the time. That should have been his job. But but anyway. Um, but what know, do you think it, of Bellingham, Declan Rice? Because I was talking to 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 a friend, a journalist as well, about you know what double pivot Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham. What do you think about that? Well, I think that Bellingham is a is a is a fantastic box to box player. So you need mm, to give him true. the license to, to get forward because he scores goals, he makes late runs into the box, he's got a good shot, he's a good finisher, he's tall, he's good in the air, he showed with that in the tournament as well. And you know, he's a box to box player. I think you play him in a midfield three, you get the best out of Bellingham because you, you, you have him as the one that's allowed to get forward. <clears throat> but even in a in a midfield two you probably could play, but not as a someone that's a bit deeper lying. Uh, but even with Bellingham, you see, with Bellingham, I think he's, he's got he's a huge talent. I think he's already a great player. But again, he's not somebody that's going to dictate and control the game, dominate the game. He's more of a kind of, you know, all action, box to box, up and down player. And again, you know, he you need someone, you need players that can complement that, that are able to conduct the play. And again, England don't generally don't produce those kind of players. And that's always been a reason why um, they don't, you know, they often get outplayed uh, and outpassed. In, in against the big teams. Didn't happen against France because France kind of were even more counter-attack in this tournament. But generally, you know, we saw in the Euro final where they just got passed off the park by Italy. You know, that that, that this is something that, that, that England lacks. Anyway, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna skip uh, Ancelotti because because we've gone way over. But I want to finish off with just us remembering. We'll talk about it on Thursday. We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about it. We'll talk about it. We'll come. It's, it's not gonna. Yeah. It's not something that's gonna be done. Now. I want. I want to talk about. Because I'm fascinated about Ancelotti going to Brazil. Like I've ever since yeah. I read this, I was like, Whoa. yeah, yeah. There'll be a time for us to talk about it. Um, I want to talk about Sinisa Mihailovic because mm. he he sadly passed away um, at the age of 53 from uh, leukemia and this was last week he's he's having his funeral um today monday yeah. um actually as we as we are speaking as we're recording um very very sad news he he was diagnosed with like leukemia first of all um i think three years ago or four years ago yeah. uh and then he underwent treatment and chemotherapy uh and then um sadly it, it, it returned and he he, he um underwent chemotherapy again earlier this year and incredibly throughout this throughout all that time he he um shows the strength of the man that he, he stayed as manager of, of Bologna during this time until eventually he was um uh, he, he left and he was let go in well in only in September actually um mm. so only only a few months ago um and yeah it's, it's very it's very very sad very 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 sad um just another example of, of 
how horrible this disease, cancer, leukemia, how horrible it is. Um, because, you know, there isn't a stronger man than Sinisa Mihailovic and he was a real fighter. Um, and it's, it's just very, very sad. And I mean, it's I, I, I'm sad also because, you know, he was, um, you know, he, he was part of my childhood. You know, I remember yeah. growing up like Red Star Belgrade were... Mm. You know, Amazing one of the first great club teams that I remembered. You know, what my, in fact, the probably the first, the first year of European Cup. It was just the year before the European Cup became the Champions League. The first year of European Cup football, club football that I can remember as a kid was that great Red Star Belgrade team, which since Sinisa Mihailovic was in that was in that team, and it was a fantastic team. You know, with Darko Panchev and and Jugovic. <laughs> Uh, and Savicevic. Prozinecki and, well, they, played as well, Robert Prozinecki. yeah. And then they had um, uh, Belo Dodic, the Romanian. Um, and then they had Stojkovic, although he left the year before and he moved to Marseille, who who then played, Red Star played in the final of the European Cup and it went to penalties. And then Stojkovic came on in extra time because he was a penalty kick specialist and he refused to take the penalty against um, Red Star Belgrade in that penalty shootout because, you know, Red Star were, the te- were his team, the team of his heart. Uh, and yeah, Mihailovic was in that amazing, amazing Red Star team. And then obviously the, the breakup and the war in in the Yugoslavia, um, you know, they, they, that great Red Star Belgrade team was broken up and they all moved on. And because Serie A was the biggest league in the world, a lot of those players then... Well, most of those players then moved moved to moved to Serie A, and um, you know Savicevic went went to Milan, Jugovic went Sampdoria, then Juventus, then Inter, then Lazio. Um, you know, Panchev went to Inter and was a massive flop, um, and and then of course Savic, uh, Mihailovic went to um, uh, originally he went to Roma, didn't he? Originally he moved to Roma at first, then he went to then he went to Sampdoria where he joined up with. With um, with Sven Goran Eriksson, who we had on our on our podcast, and told us told us a few stories about Mihailovic, didn't he last year? Um, and you know, he at Sampdoria. I mean, he was he was uh, his free kicks. I mean, the, the thing that I remember the most about Mihailovic was his free kick taking. Um, he was for me that the greatest the greatest mid to long range free kick taker of all time for me. There's, there's I have no doubts about that. His um, technique, his free kick technique, uh, was was genuinely unbelievable. Um, he, uh, he, I mean, scoring. He scored a hat trick um, of free kicks in the Serie A for Lazio, um, and he's the second person to do that in the Serie A. If I'm not mistaken, Beppe Signori did for Lazio as well a few years earlier, a hat trick mm. of free kicks. So. Um, he um yeah he is he is in I, I mean the free kicks above all the, the, that left foot was insane uh he, he he was truly one of the most you know he was a, one of the greats of a of an era when calcio literally ruled the world you know when he he played for roma he played for sampdoria but sampdoria sven told us you know go and check that interview he said he was trying to convince, you know, he convinced him he should be a central defender and Mihailovic wasn't entirely convinced. And then he said, mm-hmm. oh, I'll give it a go. And then he did. And and he turned out really So originally well. he was a left midfielder, left yeah, wing back, left winger. midfielder yeah, originally. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, and Sven, you know, con, you know, convinced him to, to, to play in the middle of defense. Um, mm. And he revolutionized, uh, no. he revolutionized the role of the, the ball playing defender in many ways. Yeah. Because I mean, there have, there has been ball playing defenders that predate him by a long way. I mean, obviously, 
you know, someone like probably Franz Beckenbauer was the first example of the the Libro, the, the, the defender that brought the ball out from defence and then joined into the midfield and, and in, moving into the attack and, and joined, made an extra man when the team was attacking. And you had other Libros, you know, like uh, Scherer and then Franco Baresi at Milan. You know, there had been ball-playing defenders before. But I think what where Mihailovic kind of helped revolutionise him was more in terms of his, his passing from out of the back. You know, those long diagonal passes from from left center back to the right wing and just just his use of the ball was you know he was he was like a, def- a defensive playmaker you know and and now you see that today you know with so many you know defenders since then that that have uh, you know that is important in the game now that the defenders have to be able to use them past the ball whereas until then you know defenders were generally were just about defending and you might get the the odd amazing defender who could bring the ball out with from defense with maybe with a great dribble or or you know you know that sense but not so much as a passer and Mihailovic really and this is what Sven told us in the interview he he really did you know help evolve the, the game the defender's game in that way and now we see it all over the all, all over the place now that that pass that that you know we, we see it when we saw it with Matarazzi he used to do it for Italy a lot and Bastani does it a lot for, for for club and country now as well. You know those those especially left footed players that, that have that ability to do that long raking pass. Uh, you know, so it wasn't just his free kicks. I mean, all his set pieces, his corners. I mean, he was best friends with Roberto Mancini. You know, mm. they played together at Samp and then uh, at Lazio, and then Mancini took him to Inter first as a player, and then as a assistant coach. And you know, Mancini's most famous Mancini goal of his career was that amazing back heel goal. Remember where he kind of had his back to the goal and. That was Mihailovic that that did that corner. And I remember seeing an interview where Mancini said that he knew exactly where Mihailovic was put it because those two were such good friends that they had like a telepathic understanding. They read each other's <clears throat> minds, you know. And and yes, yeah, so, I mean, as a player, just just an legend, an incredible left foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a coach, obviously, never never reached the levels that that he did as a player. I mean, that was almost mm-hmm. going to be impossible, but. He still had a huge, huge influence as a coach. I mean, you look at the youngsters. I mean, he has been really in the last decade one of the best coaches anywhere for for for, for launching, certainly for launching and developing young players. I mean, the most, the best example, the biggest example, Donnarumma, sixteen years old, you know, for Milan to give him his debut at sixteen. I mean, that that kind of just shows you. Uh, but you know, there have been others as well, Correa, Joaquin Correa. Aaron Hickey, you know, especially in a world, Serie A, where, again, he helped change things in Serie A because Serie A has always been, and people take the piss out of it around the world, a league that, you know, doesn't give chances to youngsters. And still, they're a little bit behind everybody else in this way. But Mihailovic is somebody that he did give chances to youngsters. I think there was a Bologna player that also made his debut at 16 or 15, was it, uh, earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. I've forgotten his name now. Um, you know, so he... he he was brave and he, and he, you know, he wasn't just, you look at him and you thought of this tough man, you know, very almost stubborn, but he wasn't, he was actually quite forward thinking as a coach. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a shame. It's, um, it's an iconic person and character that, that unfortunately leaves us. And I, and I can't help but think about Roberto Mancini who, you know, his best friends uh, with Sinisa Mihailovic. And I remember, you know, um, and and also, of course, now with Gianluca Vialli leaving the national team to deal with his issues with with cancer, it's 
it's um it it, it does it's hopefully which we hope he beats of course and recovers but you you can't help but think about mancini and his you know two of his closest friends um obviously yeah. mini sinisa and Gianluca Vialli, which is very heartbreaking and and yeah no it's 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 sad it's life but it's yeah we send all obviously send all our love to the mihailovich's family and, and everything and friends and one of the funniest same, things same to Vialli. Just, just, on a, well. just on a, on a, there's there's one of these like there's like this um you know hidden camera candid camera kind of joke that they played on Mihailovic, which his daughter was in on, which is one of the funniest sketches on, on like hidden cameras I think I've ever seen on ever, where his daughter fools him that about his her new boyfriend, um Strish, I think it's Trishala Notizia I can't remember but it, it's absolutely brilliant um the way they treat they stitch him up and, and trick him and he's he's absolutely fuming when he uh at, at that at that guy who's the girlfriend who's his daughter's boyfriend and and the end when they reveal it like <laughs> the look on his face is there's a really good sport about it that, that's that's a that's a memory i have of, of mihailovic as well yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, we're, we're going to finish off now on a bit of a lighter note. Um, Badjo and Prem face of the week. Okay, Badjo. Um, Mbappe, Messi, share it. I mean, can we really say anything else? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I, I really, I really don't. I can't. I really can't think of any, any anything else other than than that. Based on that incredible performance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Prem face of the week. Uh, oh. I've got. I've got <laughs> We're one. drowning in them. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to read out Tony Adams's team of the tournament, World Cup team of the tournament. Livakovic in goal. Then we've got Varane and Saiz at centre backs, full backs, Kyle Walker, Luke Shaw. <laughs> in midfield, we've got Bellingham, Amrabat, Griezmann. And up front, we've got Mbappe, Messi, and Saka. So, which nation has the most players in this team of the tournament? England. Four. England have four. Four players. <laughs> I don't even, like... I get that you're biased when, when you do these things because you love your country and you, 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 know, you love the players that you see week in and week out. But try to be professional. Like, I mean, it's just, you know... Luke Shaw, God bless. Kyle, no, no, like it's just it's just silly to say that, and 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 especially when when you've got these other, when everyone else, you know, every everyone saw the World Cup. We were not blind. We watched all the games, and it's just it becomes so it becomes such a parody of itself, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, no, that that is quite the prem facery, um, for sure. Do you have any? Um, I think I, I don't want to repeat myself, but but yeah, um, I, I think for me, uh, the, that video it's it's an old prem face, but but Gary Neville talking about Lionel Messi being past it um, is, uh, is 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 genuinely um, before the World Cup is is genuinely outstanding, and and also we we got us I got to shout this like our our patron Kunal Sony, uh, Jamie Carragher wrote 
uh, or he didn't write it. There's no way Jamie Carragher wrote anything. He tweeted out the England manager should always be English. And then he, there was a column published in his name, which I think is pretty much basically Jamie Carragher screaming into a voice note in, on WhatsApp or any other social media message service to some poor bastard who has to, some poor sod who has to transform that those linguistic those outbursts of linguistic abortion into intelligible English uh, <laughs> and publish and, and publish them. But basically that. And then when people said why, questioned him on why the English manager should always be English, he replies with the most most insane reply I've ever seen. He he says, I I voted remain, by the way. (laughs) What? Like, what's that got to do with anything? Like, (laughs) it's just, okay, um, Good for you. Here's a trophy. I mean, what, what's that got to do with anything? Like this is this is the thing that it's like this notion of of I like I in England I've noticed I don't live there but maybe I'm wrong but I voted Remain has become the new I have a black friend I can't be racist. Like <laughs> it, it's it's weird. It's got nothing to do with that. And you're not being racist. Someone was just questioning why the manager of England should always be English if there are better qualified people for the job who might actually win England a trophy. That was the question. No one was accusing you of racism. And if they were, they were being really stupid about it because that, that's not the point. So, and the respo- response to that is I voted remain, by the way, is just... I, I, I actually I couldn't believe it. It's like, what, why would you say something that stupid? What's that got to do with anything? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't get oh, it. Well, <laughs> it's over. It's over now for another. Oh, thank f for that. Well, actually, no, oh, it isn't oh. over. It never ends. It never ends. <laughs> no, it never, <laughs> it never ends. It never just ends. gets worse when there's a, when there's a tournament on. When there's an international yeah, tournament, that's when more it goes intense. into it goes into overdrive. Yeah. Anyway, oh, overdrive. That's a really good. That's a really good way to describe mm. it. Mm. Okay, let's let's leave it at that. We will be back on Tuesday for the Q and A episode, and then we will be back on Thursday with a uh, probably an interview episode. Actually, on the transfer market, we're we're just working on finalising that. So we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk to speak to a transfer journalist and get some transfer transfer news ahead of the the, the, the January window opening. Okay. We'll see you again tomorrow, Tuesday. Until then, ciao, ciao.